1: Judge J. Harvey Wilkinson III has been serving on the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals since his appointment by President Ronald Reagan in 1984. During the administration of President George W. Bush, he was often mentioned as a possible candidate for the Supreme Court. He has a new memoir out called All Falling Faiths, Reflections on the Promise and Failure of the 1960s, and he's here with us today on Bloomberg Law to talk about the evolution of the Supreme Court and how the appointment of Judge Gorsuch may affect its direction, assuming that Judge Gorsuch is confirmed. Judge Wilkinson, uh, welcome to the program. You know, Justice Scalia was famously an originalist uh, in his judicial philosophy. Judge Gorsuch is known as an originalist. Uh, Many judges on the left have now talked about originalism as one of, of, if not the dominant mode of interpretation in the Supreme Court these days. Is the court, in fact, now an originalist court? Is that the way that uh, we should be thinking about how the court uh, addresses Cases that come before it.
2: Well, I think there's a great deal of viewpoint, a great deal of difference in in among the justices as to how attached they are to originalists. Even some originalists are strong originalists, and others are fairly uh, faint originalists. Um, and Justice Scalia once called himself a faint-hearted originalist, and Justice Thomas is probably a more um, avid originalist. So. There's a real spectrum here that we're we're talking about, and um, originalism is not quite the same as liberalism or conservatism. I mean, Scalia is generally regarded as a conservative, but he cast some very liberal votes um, on the issue of flag burning and the right to cross-examination, and uh, he invalidated, devoted to invalidate criminal statutes, such as the uh, Armed Career Criminal Act, so it's important not to just take on that word originalism and, and see it as one and the same with conservatism because it it often isn't.
0: Judge Wilkinson, sometimes justices, when they are on the bench for a while, don't fulfill the expectations of the presidents who appointed them. Tell us a little bit about what happens. Well, uh, <laughs> the
2: Every president might be in for some disappointments and surprises, and that's that's good because the judiciary doesn't take a a, a a justice doesn't take an oath to support the president of the United States. A justice takes an oath to to follow the law and to support the Constitution of the United States. So the fact that presidents may be disappointed doesn't bother me at all. Uh, The history is just full of presidential disappointments. And uh, you have Eisenhower was disappointed with Warren and Brennan, and Nixon was disappointed with Blackmun, and maybe George H.W. Bush was somewhat surprised by uh, David Souter. And so the surprises that lie in store, and that's particularly true because Justices are living longer, like all of us, and they're serving much longer, uh, twice as long now as their years during the, the 19th century. And we have no idea what the present justices are going to be saying or thinking in 2030 or 2040. And we don't have any idea what issues they're going to be confronted with. I mean, I had no idea when I became, came on the Court of Appeals that I'd be dealing with uh, terrorism issues in the wake of 9/11, or some of these very difficult and challenging questions dealing with the um, uh, AIDS virus, and so you can't you can't anticipate how science and technology is going to change the face of the court's docket. So uh, I would say any president. When they make an appointment, they've got to understand they're going to be in for some disappointments and they're going to be in for some surprises.
1: Well, you you've been on the bench for a, a fairly you know for through a number of presidents now, and you've seen uh, the the way confirmation battles happen, and they're often treated in the opposite of what you're talking about. People in the political world seem to think that, you know, the ideology of the person going on the Supreme Court is extremely important and sort of predictable, and they want to vote based on that a lot of the time. You had a judge in Merrick Garland who didn't even get up for a vote. Now you have the Democrats saying that they may put up a fight on Judge Gorsuch. How does this sort of politicization of the confirmation process affect the bench?
2: Well, it... There's several different interests here. Just senators have a have an obligation, a constitutional obligation, to um, look into a nominee before voting to confirm or not to confirm, and um, and it's not a bad thing at all for the political for the uh, judiciary for the political process to weigh in because this is the one chance that the United States Senate uh, has to. Uh, to uh, weigh in and have an impact on the on the uh, judiciary, and you don't want a judicial you want a judicial branch that's independent of politics, to be sure. But you don't want it to be totally divorced from politics in a in a democratic society. So we're 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 doing we're uh, we're balancing some competing interests here. But if you go too far. Um, and try to get justices to commit to this issue or that issue or have checklists and litmus tests and everything, Um, that begins to... uh, The public then begins to see the judiciary as a political body, and we begin to lose respect. So, yes, politics has a role in the appointment of judges, but I also always hope that it would be carried out with respect to the uh, independence of the judiciary, because if the public sees us as nothing more than politicians in robes and and sort of following our own preferences rather than sticking to the Constitution and the law, you're going to see a lessening of public respects. So yes, let politics weigh in. But my gosh, we're such a different branch of government, totally different from the legislative and executive, and I hope that difference will be respected.
0: Judge, along those lines, and with the esteem that the public should hold the Supreme Court as the highest court in the land, do you believe that it's important to have it remain that there be 60 votes to appoint a Supreme Court justice?
2: Well, that's something that I think is a a political question, and um as a judge uh i think i have to exercise a certain restraint and not not get into that kind of thing because um if i did I, it would it would appear partisan and and i just don't want to appear that way so Sometimes the most beautiful words in the English language are are no comment. Right after home sweet home.
1: <laughs> home sweet home indeed. Well, judge uh, one last thing in the in the minute we have left. Are you Judge Gorsuch is known as a conservative. He's replacing a judge who is known as a conservative, although somewhat unpredictable as you mentioned. Um, do you think that with Judge, Gors- Judge Gorsuch going on the bench, there will be much change in the way the court approaches issues generally, or will it be kind of the same as it was when Justice Scalia was there?
2: See, nobody really knows because there's, there's, there's such a difference— in judging on the court of appeals and judging judging on the supreme court where you have a weight of ultimate responsibility and you have these huge mega issues and we don't confront those in at my level on the on the uh, court of appeals it's it's much more filling in gaps so uh how the weight of that responsibility which is just enormous and uh, is going to affect someone i sure can't predict it and and i think it's very very tricky to to try to do so
1: coming up we'll be we'll be talking about the uh about uh, judge gorsuch with a partner of his, a lawyer who worked as his boss at one point. That's coming up on Bloomberg Law with Michael Best and
0: June Grasso. And thanks to Judge Wilkinson for being on the show with us.